Welcome to the web broadcast of New Life Foursquare Church in Milledgeville, Georgia. Thanks for joining us today. We encourage you to download the sermon notes from our website and follow along as Dr. Terry Stair brings you the uncompromising Word of God. Here's Dr. Terry Stair with today's message. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to, to uh, Isaiah 61. According to Luke, the fourth, fourth chapter and 18th verse, Isaiah 61 is the scripture that Jesus read on that day. When he was originally asked to speak in the, the synagogue in Nazareth, just a little history lesson, they didn't have preachers like we do. They, they did not have set ministers. So people were called upon to read the scripture and then expound on it. Uh, that is really the, the, the model of the church, is for us to come to the place where all of us are mature enough that God can speak to any of us and God can speak through any of us. That really is the model. But when it came time for Jesus to speak, he uh, chose this particular scripture in Isaiah 61. He could have selected uh, Psalms 27, which said, The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? That would have been a good scripture to read. Uh, he could have chose Amos 5.24, Let justice run down as waters and righteousness as a mighty stream. He could have chose Job 14.14, If a person dies, shall they live again? All the days of my appointed time will I await until my chance comes. But he didn't. He chose Isaiah 61. Today we have come to church and there may be a lot of different reasons why we come. Why we're here. Some people are not here. There's probably reasons for that. Maybe we just uh, wanted to come to end the year. You know, I always like to say that what you're doing on the first day of the year is what you'll be doing all year long. You know, if you miss church on the, on the first day of the year, you're probably going to have trouble throughout the year being in church. I've seen that happen to people. I don't know whether it just is part of the process or what. But some of us, we, you know, we've had um, maybe a nice warm bed to sleep in, as our brother was talking about uh, Sri Lanka. Uh, I thought about people over there, what, what it must be like to live in a place where you don't have all of the wondrous conveniences that we do in America. In fact, uh, some of this stuff that uh, we do have in America, uh, even our ancestors did not used to have. We have such an immense and enormous amount of blessings in this country. Perhaps some of you stopped and got something to eat on your way this morning. Or maybe you got a cup of coffee. Or maybe some of you are sitting there and your stomach is growling. You're a little hungry. You're thinking about food. Maybe as you drove here this morning, you thought about the gas tank being full. Or the gas tank not being full. Or the price of gas. Whatever it is, you came came here to, to hear the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord today is from Isaiah 61 because I chose that for the same reason that Jesus probably chose it. 
It speaks about the core mission of Jesus Christ. What was the point of His coming? Why did He come? This is, in Isaiah 61, kind of like uh, the footnote of His message. His message was to the common man. Now, we use the word or the expression poor. But how many knows that people don't like to be called poor? You know that? We don't like to be called poor. In fact, even we don't want to be called poor. We may be below $22,000. Don't raise your hands. <laughs> but that's the poverty level, I believe, in the United States. Now, I don't know what it is in Sri Lanka, but it's probably not $22,000. In fact, the common man in the world, I think the average common man in the world makes less than a hundred dollars a year. Just try and imagine trying to exist on a hundred dollars a year. Must be unbearable. And yet that is the way the world is. There are 900 million people on this planet. 900 million of them. And the majority of them are what Jesus would have classified poor. Those that live below the level. Now there's some people that, you know, they make a lot of money. There's some people that just, you know, just have more than they even know what to do with. Millions. How many read Paris Hilton's not getting a dime? Did y'all read that? You know, her, her daddy has decided that he's going to give everything to charity. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God, Paris don't need any of it. But I think she's probably a little disturbed. We are the richest nation on the earth. We are a nation that has so much. I think the per capita income in the United States is around 4000 that means when you average everybody together, every single person in the United States, and the gross income of the United States, it's $4,000 a year per person. That's still not a lot of money. When you talk about it in per person. But I want to, I want to ask my, I want to ask myself as well as asking you is, is what is it about us? What is it about us that causes us to continue on without having any concern like Jesus did about what it is that we do with this money. Whether it's a hundred dollars or whether it's thousands of dollars. Do you realize that there are people that are so selfish? And I'm not attacking anybody. Please don't feel that. But there are some people in this, in this United States that are so selfish that they'd rather have a car than bring a child into the world. They'd rather have an automobile. There are some people that would rather have a boat. There are some people that rather have an animal. Do you know there are some people that treat their animals better than some others treat their children? And it's because, I believe, we have still not got the message that Jesus tried to teach us that there's a purpose for us being here. So turn to Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because He has anointed me to deliver the good news to humble people. Now, He used the word humble there. It says anointed. Bringing news to humble people. 
this is another thing. How many of you have really asked God to help you be humble? Have you asked Him? Because you know, it's easy for us to get puffed up. We get a little bit of money, we get a job, or we get a little bit of this or that, and all of a sudden we start looking down on people. Or all of a sudden we don't, we don't have that same affinity that we used to have. Being humble is something that we have to work at. And if we want to not only receive the message, but be able to give the message, we have to remain humble. Everything that we have is not ours. Isn't that true? It really belongs to God. He's just lent it to us. And it's important that we ask God, what should we do with what we have? I read a story last night about a man who went to fight in Iraq. And you know, there's a lot of people that are coming back from Iraq that are injured and hurt real badly. And uh, this brother, when he came back, he was in a semi-coma for a while at Walter Reed. And then they finally woke him up. But they had bandages over him and they told him, you know, we have bandages over your head and face because you were injured real badly. So he, he, you know, he just thought, you know, I'm injured. And they worked on his legs and they finally, after three or four months, got him up and were able to get him walking. They, with therapy, got his arms to working again. And then after four months, they told him we're going to take the bandages off. They took the bandages off and they had his family there to comfort him because he was blind. For four months, he didn't know he was blind. They didn't know if he would be able to survive if he was told everything at the same time. So they waited. They got him walking again, giving him some hope. They got him moving his arms again, giving him some hope. Because they knew that when they told him that he was blind, that it would be devastating. It took him three days to work through that. And on the fourth day, someone came to him from the military and said, we have the papers here for you to sign. We're going to give you an honorable discharge. Looking up from that bed, he said to them, I'm a soldier. I want to stay in the army. And then looked down at him and said, but you're blind. He said, that's okay. I still have much to offer. Do you know he travels around now and he trains young men who are going into combat, teaching them what he learned in the three years that he was in Iraq, even though he is blind. Hope. Hum humility. Remaining humble. Realizing that, hey, I've lost my eyes, but I still have a whole lot more. And I still have something to give. It says here, he has sent me to those who are brokenhearted. How many has had your heart broken? My goodness. And how many has met people with that? You know, when I go to prison, I know I talk probably bore you too much talking about it, but I can't I can't express it any more than than I do that it there are two sides to prison. There are men in there that are not humble. There are men in there that will not receive the message. And there are men in there that need to be there. But there are other men in there who God has changed. Who have been touched. And they're broken hearted. And they don't know if they'll ever see the outside again. But the Spirit of Christ can still heal their brokenness. And those of us who have experienced it need to make sure that we share that with people so that we have a message to give them. There is hope. 
You know, I don't necessarily have all the answers, but I know that if you seek God, He will provide. And He will give you direction. In the year 2008, I want us to focus more, as Brother Sam had given us the cards, I want us to make sure we focus more on making sure that we reach out and minister to people that are broken hearted. You know, they don't make a lot of money, so they don't pay good tithes. So most people are, you know, ignored. Do you know that, that the common man is not usually members of very many churches? Because, see, they're not, they're not really the ones that anybody wants. They don't want the poor and the brokenhearted. They don't want the outcasts. I remember when I first came here, one of the little old ladies came up to me and she said, Pastor, you've got a church filled with outcasts. I said, Lord have mercy. <laughs> I realized right then though that Jesus had a church filled with outcasts too. And I was one of them. If we ever forget that we are a part of that too, then we miss His message. Jesus identified with everyone. It says right here, to announce that captives will be set free and prisoners released. Willie Harper was a man in prison. I spoke to him and talked to him every Monday night for eight years. Eight years. And that man always told me, God is going to set me free. I believe that. The message of hope has reached my heart. I'm going to go home. So I, one day I just, out of curiosity, I said, what was your sentence? He said, life. I thought to myself, I don't want to say anything to discourage this brother, but life means life, you know? Do you know Willie Harper is not in prison? He's not in prison. God set that man free. Why? Because he come to set the captive free. He come to preach liberty to those that are in prison. You know, I tell those men in prison, I had one the other day write me and say, Pastor, will you write a letter to the parole board? My response to him was this, Seek the Almighty. When it's His time to free you, you will be free and you will need no, no letters. Do you know that man wrote me two weeks later and said, Pastor, God has answered our prayers. said, the, the warden came to me and told me that I have five people that I can suggest to, to get an early release and I'm considering you as one of them. When the man comes to you, you know what I'm saying? When the man comes to you, you don't need to ask any help. You can stand assured that God's getting ready to do something for you. But, if God is not in your favor, if God's not fighting your battles, then it doesn't matter what any man does. No, nothing can be moved. That says, He has sent me to announce the year of the Lord's goodwill. That means the year of Jubilee. You know, I kind of gotten sidetracked once where I was wondering which year is the year of Jubilee, you know. And then, then I, I thought, well, you know, it, it's nice. This is our 50th year. This is our year of Jubilee. Do you know what Jesus was saying in Luke? He was saying that every year that you know me, that's the year of Jubilee. Every year that you walk with me, you have a Jubilee. And that just set me free so much is to realize that I don't have to wait for the year of Jubilee. It has already come. And I live and walk in it. 
And whenever I meet people, I'm to comfort with comfort them with that fact that this is the year of Jubilee. This is the year that God's going to set people free. This is the year that God's going to bless people. This is the year that He's going to give you what you've been wanting and asking and praying for. This is your year. You don't have to say, well, maybe in two years that's be my year or ten years is my year. You can say every year is your year. He has sent me to provide for those who grieve in Zion and to give crowns instead of ashes and the oil of joy instead of tears and clothes of praise instead of the spirit of weakness. You know, our world is filled with people, even Christian people, who don't seem to have any concern for anybody. We don't seem to... uh, want to minister to those people that... Well, I don't know how to put it anywhere, any other way but to say this. Have you ever been cut off on the highway? And the person that cuts you off has a bumper sticker that says, Honk if you love Jesus. (laughs) You know what? The danger for us is that we, we are in tune with God while we're in this building. But the danger is that we keep that when we leave. The danger is that we're a Samson any other time (laughs) and a prophet in here. That's not going to get it. What's going to get it is when we as believers carry this message with us all the time, every day. Otherwise, we might as well just get rid of this scripture. Just throw it away. Somebody said it's too hard. It's too hard to feed the hungry. It's too hard to take care of the the naked. It's too hard to comfort the sick. It's too hard because that requires sacrifice. Do you know it? It even required sacrifice for you to get up and come here this morning. Everything is sacrifice. Especially when it's dealing with the Lord. But this verse of Scripture started out by saying the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. That means that the Lord has called you to do this. You know why you came this morning? Because you answered the call. The Lord called you. It it should be comforting and encouraging to you to know that you have answered the call of God. And that you now have that responsibility and that obligation to give that call to others. And to share it with others. Look down here, it says... um, Verse 4, they will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will restore the places destroyed long ago. And they will renew, they, they will renew the ruined cities and the places destroyed generations ago. And I, I don't know about you, but in, in 2008, one of the things that I want to see is, I want to see some of the things that have been broken down and tore up and thrown away, I want to see them start again. I want, to, I want to see them renewed again. I want to see, I want to see godly things happening in our world. Not, not, I've already seen enough of this junk. I want to see some positive stuff. I'm praying that God will give peace in the whole world. I'd like to see the whole world filled with peace. Maybe I'm a dreamer. You know, maybe I'm wishing or, or, or wishing on a star. But it only starts when people answer the call and begin to declare that this is the favored year. 
This is the year of God's favor. When you and I will step up and say, this is the Lord's year. It belongs to Him. I'm going to live my life for Him. Not for me. Not for what I'm going to get, but I'm going to live it for Him. I'm going to serve and I'm going to give as much as I can to make this Spirit reach out into everybody's lives. Years ago, we used to sing a song, All over the world, the Spirit is moving. All over the world, like the prophet said it would be. All over the world, there's a mighty revelation of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. We sang that song because we believed that God's Spirit really was moving. That it really was doing things. It really was changing things. But it will only begin as Christian people. As people that name the name of Jesus. Do things with their Christian spirit all the time. All the time. I remember the last job that I had and I was a Christian. I couldn't fire people. Somebody came to me and said, You need to fire him. I said, I can't. I have to try to fix it. I try. I have to work it out. Why? Why? He needs to go. Because I'm a Christian. Because I'm a believer. I, when you fire somebody, you're saying there's no hope. There's no hope. When you divorce somebody, you're saying there's no hope. When you give up on somebody, you're saying there's no hope. I can't, I can't come to that place. I have to have hope. Life without hope is hopeless. I can't live that life. I have to live a life where I believe in hope and I give hope and I receive hope. And that's what we receive in the year of the Lord's favor. Hope. Listen, when Jesus read that scripture, there were still people in prison. When He read that scripture, there were still people suffering. When He read that scripture, there were still people grieving. But that didn't stop Him from saying, that stuff is going to stop now. That stuff is going to be changed now. That stuff is... Somebody wrote me the other day and said, Brother Stare, my wife this, my wife that. I'm thinking about getting divorced. What should I do? I wrote him back and I said, Why would you ask me that question? You know what the Word says. Love your wife. I'm sorry if... You know, and I understand. There's a lot... You know, I've hated my wife too. So I understand. But... You have to ask God for that love. When you don't love her anymore, you ask God for it. You let God love her through you. The final scripture I want to read to you is is in the end. It says, Like the ground that breaks forth its crops, and like a garden that makes the seed in its growth, so the Almighty will make righteousness and praise spring up in front of all the nations. You'll find that wherever Jesus and His kingdom has gone, there has been peace. There have been changes. There have been blessings. Wherever evil reigns, that's the only place that the enemy has been able to keep darkness there. But even in those dark places, there's a little light. Let's all pray that the light grows stronger and brighter in this year. Lord, we ask You for Your blessings upon those who are preaching the gospel in faraway places.
We ask Your blessings upon us who are preaching the Gospel even in this place, in this dark place, Lord. We may think that this is filled with light. We may think that Milledgeville has a lot of believers, but Lord, it's filled with people that are still needing to be changed by Your power. We ask You, Lord, to give us the grace, give us the anointing, and give us the calling, Lord, to declare this year the year of Jubilee, the year of Your favor, to go out and do the work, Lord, that You've called us to do, to bless, to heal, to set free, and to do that work that is pleasing to You. And Father, keep us humble. Help us to always look to You, the Provider. And help us, Lord, to be grateful for all of our blessings. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.